people don't like to hear this because the whoosh is exciting and I can understand why the whoosh is exciting. I can understand why the scale going down is exciting. I mean, I have had, we both have had our own fat loss journeys and it is a manifestation of things are working. I'm doing it right. I'm losing body fat slash weight. Again, not always the same thing. I understand it and at the same time, the point is you really have to examine your emotional attachment to this stuff because a lot of you guys are putting way too much emotion into it that it ever needs to have. And you're making it harder on yourself because you are riding this roller coaster of scale up bad, scale down good. That tired old thing we've all been taught our whole lives. Stop it. That power is with you. <laughs> Both the people posting, oh, don't worry, you're going to get the whoosh. And the people holding on to the whoosh as like this amazing, elusive, magical thing that's just going to make everything okay. It's just a fluctuation. Hey there, welcome to Tater Talks. Two bitches talk fitness. I'm Brooke. And hello, I'm Iris. On this show, we challenge the common understanding of what it means and what it takes to be fit and healthy. We explore all things fitness, nutrition, mindset, and mental health without the fluff and BS. So grab a coffee, get ready to laugh, cry, even learn a thing or two. Let's get into it. I would really love to talk about the scale today because I feel like it's been a minute since we really talked about it in depth. And there's a couple trends that I'm seeing online in various forums and posts and whatnot that I think would be a really good idea to talk about. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about some things recently with what I've been hearing, not only online, but when we're working with clients, when we're getting DMs on Instagram, and a lot of people are really struggling with it's the first it's the first month of the year people are trying to get in shape get healthy and a lot of people are relying on the data of the scale to rule their emotions they are using the emotional the emotional situation to make irrational decisions like when you don't think something is working for you and you are not being consistent with nutrition you're not being consistent with weighing yourself or you're not being consistent just in general, that is going to be reflected on the scale. But one thing that I can't stand is people using the scale as the only measure of progress. If your clothes are fitting better, if you're getting stronger, if you have more energy, if your relationship with food is better, why the fuck are you letting a little box that you set on the ground that tells you a number of your relationship with gravity for that day, why are you letting that control your mood? Why are you letting that control your takeaways. Like if you're making progress, like accept the fact that you're making some fucking progress. Like what the, what does the scale have to do with it? That's, that's just my, my little rant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I feel that though, because that is a very common thing I see. I mean, we can talk about the consistency piece and how we can dial that in a little bit, but I see it in people who have been consistent and they are having wins. And oftentimes what I'll see is they'll preface it with like, I'm having some wins, but the scale. Get rid of the butt. Yeah. Get rid of the butt. Yeah. You have a choice. You can either have your ideal body or you can have your ideal weight. Yeah. And semi-related, your ideal relationship with food. And I'm going to tell you, those two things probably don't look the same. Somebody that weighs 150 pounds that is, that's 30% body fat looks completely different than somebody who weighs 150 pounds and has more muscle mass and less body fat. That is something that I think a lot of people aren't really 
understanding because they're so used to a number being able, like being able to reach a certain number or a certain pant size. Like, let's focus on other shit. Mm -hmm. You're probably not going to weigh what you what you weighed in high school. You were a kid. You're a grown up now. We got to we got to start actually putting some more effort and trying to unlearn these habits and patterns that have been destructive over years. Take yourself seriously. Yeah. There's a difference between body composition and body weight, which people don't often understand, I think. And that's why like the two of us, I mean, we say weight sometimes, but more often we say body fat. Like you want to lose body fat. We're talking about body fat here because that's different than weight. Like it plays into it, but there are so many other things that go into weight, right? Hair, bone, skin, water, glycogen in your muscles, food contents in your stomach and your bowel, waste contents in your bowels, all of that stuff, it plays into weight, which as Brooke said, when you step on the scale, that is only telling you the relationship to gravity that you have in that current moment, which could change in a minute if you go to the bathroom or if you drink a glass of water. And it's one of the most easily manipulatable forms of data that we have. And it can be useful data, it can be informative data, especially when we look at the trends over time, but it's not the most important one. It's not even close to the most important one. So I let's go over, like, what is the data? What is all the data we should be taking? The scale is one of them. Clothes fitting better. I like to instruct people to take one outfit, just have one outfit that you try on every four to six weeks and note any changes, see if it's looser, see how it fits progress pictures every four to six weeks too. Same or similar lighting, same or similar clothing. The less clothing, the better. A lot of times I'll we'll see like underwear or swimsuits or bikinis, something that can actually show your body or even like tight pants or something if you're not comfortable with a bikini or something. Measurements every four to six weeks around your chest, under your armpits, around your chest, in the narrowest part of your waist, the widest part of your hips, the widest part of your thighs every four to six weeks. This stuff matters, folks. And and I understand the emotional connection to the number on the scale. I mean, we've, we've all had it for some reason. But at the same time, there is this resistance to all of the other data that I don't know, maybe this is a little harsh, but I have a problem with that. Because if you are only looking at one piece of the picture, quite literally, you don't have the full picture. You're not able to see what's actually going on. And that's part of the problem is when people, even if they've been consistent, they are only looking at the scale. And the scale does not always reflect the changes that are happening. But then they're going, nothing's changing. I'm not losing any weight. Why isn't this working? It's been three weeks, which is another topic of conversation. (laughs) It's already been three weeks and nothing's changing. Well, you can't say that. You can't say that because you don't know, because you only have the one piece of data that you're putting way too much energy into. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's pretty challenging to have to constantly be having, like putting out these fires when it comes to the scale. As a client will step on the scale and immediately will let that dictate their day. They'll reach out and feel like they're not making any progress. And sometimes as coaches, like, it can be really hard to reel you back in. We have to reel you back in. We have to show you all of the data. And there's a reason why you are taking a lot of data. There's a reason why you're adding your calories, your protein, your fiber goals, your steps, your sleep, because those are all 
really big indicators of whether or not you're making success. I mean, I have one client who I'm giving her a shout out. When she first started coming to work with me, she was barely getting any sleep, maybe four hours with an hour nap. I mean, she works a different type of schedule. And now her sleep, she's getting like seven hours some nights. Like she has improved her sleep so much. And what that's done is it has helped her make number one, more nutritious decisions because she's not tired all the time and wanting to throw something together really quick. She's implementing routines, like making sure that she's preparing her food. She has been looking at her pants. She actually calls them saggy shit pants because when she was putting on her jeans, she was noticing they're really, really saggy in the butt because she's lost quite a bit of weight. She's She's definitely recomped a lot too by building muscle while she's been losing body fat. And she has not let the scale dictate those results. And as a coach, seeing that, it's like, okay, that person's getting it. But then when you have people that are reaching out and they're like, the scale went up, I don't know if I can do this. This isn't working for me. Number one, have you been consistent? She has been insanely consistent. And guess what? Even on the fucking weekend. Mm, Even on the weekend, she's tracking her food. Even on the weekend, she is making sure she has a high protein breakfast. Does she go out every once in a while? Absolutely. But here's the thing. If you really want to make progress, you need to start treating your weekends like your weekdays. You need to get better sleep. You need to stop obsessing over the scale. You can literally go take a shit and step on the scale and you will be a pound down. And oh, oh, I got a little heated there. Oh. (laughs) Oh, I feel that though. It's, I mean, it's a lot because the amount of energy and power that too many people are giving this inanimate object, it's ridiculous sometimes. And again, I've said like, we understand why we understand where it comes from, but at the same time, we have to really acknowledge and assess and change the language that we use about it because our language trickles down into our actions and our thoughts, which can either put us in a very helpful cycle or a very harmful cycle. And that's one of the things that really kills me about the scale is when people say that it's lying or that it's fickle or that it's like the scale is a piece of shit. No, it's not. I'm sorry, but no, it's not. It's just a tool that you are making mean a lot more than it actually means. And my opinion on this has changed, actually, because I used to say, like, if it helps you kind of get your emotions out and regulate that about the scale, then that's fine. You can say it. But I've changed my mind on that because I don't think it does help. I think what it reinforces is the victim mentality of like, oh, the scale is out to get me. When in reality, it's not. It's just a piece of data that you're making a whole bunch of stories up about and then you're entertaining them because the stories, you know, are that you're a failure. You're not doing anything right. It's not working. It's taking too long. Look how much farther I have to go until I'm allowed to be happy. (laughs) Like (laughs) this really gets me fired up. I hate it when people call the scale a liar because it's just putting too much power in it. You're creating a victim scenario for yourself out of this just little thing that's telling you when you think about it, it's telling you exactly what you want to know, which is how much you weigh in the current moment. But people run with it and then make it mean so much more than it means. I can tell you that even when I was 128 pounds at five foot eight, I number one, I looked emaciated. I did not 
like the way that I looking back now, I do not like the way that I looked because I was way too lean. I was way like I looked very unhealthy, very unhealthy. But here's the deal. I got down to 128 pounds at five foot eight and it still wasn't a fuck enough. And do you want to know why? The reason why it wasn't enough is because I allowed that number to dictate my thoughts. It was never enough. There was always room to go. I wasn't looking at my body composition. I had abs. Like I had abs. I had striations in my quads. I had striations in my shoulders. But it was that fucking number. The scale, again, it's not a liar. It's only giving you one piece of data. Yeah. Which is why we greatly encourage weigh yourself daily or just don't. When you put a weigh-in day on a calendar, whether it's weekly or monthly, whatever, that is, in all honesty, useless data. It means nothing. It's not enough to see a trend, really. I mean, people could argue, well, what if I do that for like years and years? Yeah, sure. But if we're looking at the trend over time of really anything, we need more data points. Not to mention the fact that you put that weigh-in day on the schedule that's going to be in your brain the entire time. That's going to influence your thoughts. It's going to influence your behavior. You're going to start doing stupid things to try to affect what the scale is saying on that day. And then what if it's up? You don't know if that's just a day that for whatever reason, out of hundreds, that the scale spiked up. You don't know if the trend is actually not going in the way that you want. You just don't know. Weigh yourself daily or not at all. And this is immersion therapy too. By kind of forcing yourself to like experience it, sit with it, log the data, let it go, you can start to see these fluctuations and see just how meaningless they really are. And it kind of takes the wind out of those sails. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, when you give the scale that much power over your mindset, you are taking away from yourself. Because what if you step on the scale and all of a sudden it's a big whoosh and you're like, cool, I'm on the right track. Oh, like, the fucking whoosh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like a lot of people expect progress to be linear. Mm-hmm. Progress is a lot like life. We are not living in a universe of rainbows and sunshine and everything is good all the time. Shit happens. Same with the scale. It is not going to be down all the time. It's not going to whoosh all the time. It's not going to spike up all the time. It's going to ebb and flow. And you need to start thinking about why the scale ebbs and flows. And that's because number one, like Iris had mentioned earlier in the podcast, food volume in your stomach, muscles holding on to extra glycogen because you had a little bit more carbs. Maybe you ate a little bit of sodium. Maybe you had some Chinese food. I fucking love Chinese food. I know not to get pissed off at the scale the day after Chinese food. Oh, hell no. (laughs) Like I ate a ton of sodium. I'm going to be up. And what's really cool is you can start to learn your own trends. Like for me, sorry, male listeners, uh, but (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) I can start to tell when I'm going to start my period by what the scale is doing. Mm -hmm. I notice, oh, the scale has been up for multiple days. How has my behavior been the last few days? How have I been feeling? Oh, I've been a little bit more emotional. Oh, I've been a little bit more fatigued and tired. Hmm, this is strange. The week after, Mother Nature shows up and you're like, ah, got it. Yep. Okay. It all like makes th- sense. this makes sense. <laughs> also, like I'm I'm gonna say this. If you notice that your scale trend is going up and not coming down over a month, guess what that means? You're not in a calorie deficit. 
Yeah. I know people, I know people are going to say I'm doing everything right and I'm not seeing results. Well, if you're eating in a calorie deficit, your progress photos look the same, your weight is, is slowly trending upwards, your clothes are fitting a little bit tighter. Guess what? You're not in a calorie deficit. Quit fucking saying that you're in a calorie deficit if you're not. Like, are you consistently tracking your food? Are you being accurate with that tracking? Grams. <laughs> yes, in grams. Are you going off the rails on the weekend because you had a tough week and you feel like you deserve it? Or you have quote unquote ate clean or you have restricted yourself through the week. And so now the weekends are the time to fucking party with food. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something somewhere is not adding up. Same with maintenance. Yes, when you get into maintenance, the scale will bounce up a little bit and then it will even out. If the trend of the scale is going up over time, you're not in maintenance. That deserves the same amount of attention and respect as being in a calorie deficit does. Just wanted to throw that out there. And we have a whole episode that I will link in the show notes. It's called Why You're Not Losing Weight, in which we go through a whole bunch of potential reasons why something is not adding up and why you might think you're in a calorie deficit, but the fact of the matter is you're actually not. So that will definitely help if you're finding yourself in this situation. Oh, absolutely. I, you've brought up the weekend a couple times, which I think is a really good topic to talk about. And we don't have to go like super into it, just kind of maybe throw out some ideas of like, yeah, the weekend matters. How can we make it work for us while we can, you know, still make progress and still enjoy our days off if, if the days off are your weekends? This is something that I have to sometimes remind my clients about. The weekend is 30% of your week. Mm -hmm. 30%. If you are going balls to the wall, you do not give a shit about what you're eating on the weekends. You're having a quote unquote cheat day. Guess what? That'll put a dent in things. One day will not make or break anything, but if one day is turning into Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, oh crap, got to get my shit together for Monday morning, that is over 40% of your year at that point. That is a significant amount of time that you have to still have some kind of structure and boundaries with yourself. With the weekend, one thing that some of my most successful clients do is they create a weekend routine because a lot of the time people will fall off track because there's a lack of routine during the weekend. Like yeah. people are very structured Monday through Friday. They go to work, they have their ducks in a row and then the weekend comes and they don't have a plan. They don't have a routine. People get really anxious before the weekends because they, they want to continue to make progress, but they don't know how. And so one of those things that you can do is create a weekend routine that you can implement and still see progress. Like for me, I wake up at the same time I do during the weekdays. Yeah, I wake up at the same time. I do my journaling at the same time. I make sure that I have a high protein breakfast. I make sure that I have a high fiber breakfast as well. And then like I kind of let the day take me where it takes me. I all, I'm also mindful. There's a lot of mindfulness that goes on too. Mm -hmm. When you start to create a weekend routine, that looks similar to your weekday routine. It's not to say that like you can't enjoy your weekend. You can still enjoy your weekend. It's just making sure that you're strategizing and setting yourself up for success and also making mindful decisions. Like if you go out to eat, making sure that you're practicing mindfulness while you're in a deficit, I think is very important. Making sure that you're learning what your hunger and fullness cues actually are. Creating meal times where you're eating the same times each day. That way, 
when it does come to be the weekend and you're like, oh gosh, I'm getting kind of hungry. It's getting close to that meal time. It's really just creating a routine around the weekend that's going to make you successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, potentially looking at menus ahead of time, seeing if there's something there you want to choose and follow through with. I find that's really helpful for people eating out in general. Look ahead of time so you're not overwhelmed with decisions when you get there and you can kind of think ahead to see something that tastes good and that isn't obscene calorie-wise. Another one that I'll tack on there is alcohol. Let's be real here. Alcohol does not set us up for the most helpful decisions. Nobody's craving high-protein, high-fiber, lighter-calorie food the day after with a hangover. Alcohol can lower your inhibitions and give you more munchies. And a lot of times your willpower just kind of goes out the window. Those calories also can add up very, very quickly if you're not aware of it. You mentioned sleep. I think a lot of people kind of shoot shoot themselves in the foot because the weekend is their free time, right? So they can stay up late, they can sleep in, but really it just kind of throws a wrench in their circadian rhythm, which as we've talked about before, like sleep will mess with your hunger hormones a little bit. If you're tired, if your circadian rhythm's off, you might be a little bit more snackish and that might make it harder for you to stay consistent to your nutritional goals. So I know that's not people's favorite thing to hear, but really trying to get on a consistent sleep and wake schedule, even on the weekends, is so helpful. The other thing I would say is move. Move your body. I'm all for rest. We're all for rest. But the weekends should not be sedentary either. I think that really hurts people because, first of all, they get bored. And then a lot of people struggle with boredom eating. But also some movement can help regulate hunger and fullness cues as well. And neat. We talk about neat. That still matters on the weekends. The weekends can be a little more difficult, but that doesn't mean they have to be absolutely balls to the wall every time. It also doesn't mean that you have to be rigid ever at all. But you do have to practice some restraint when you have some goals that require being specific, like being in a calorie deficit and being aware and managing your calorie intake. And your nutrient intake, frankly, for health. For me, like on Saturdays, I really love to clean my house. Like mm-hmm. I will be vacuuming. I'll be going up and down stairs. I'm, I'm getting movement in by doing chores around the house. That is a really easy way to make sure that you have a clean house and <laughs> that you're getting your need up. And I also think that it's super important to make sure that you're you're focusing on protein. You're fo- like it, your goals are not just Monday through Friday. Your your goals aren't just Monday through Friday. So make sure that you're making the most of your Saturday and Sunday as well. Yeah, I, I like chores on Sundays too because it helps with steps. And one thing that I've been really making sure that I do more recently is I make sure my kitchen is clean and my counters are clean on Sundays. So I feel like I'm starting the week fresh. It just makes me feel good. But it's the double whammy of, of getting some movement in on a Sunday too. So yeah, chores, underrated. Do the things you've been procrastinating around your house. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really good way to just stay active. Or if you want to get a workout in on the weekend, let's say that like Monday through Friday is hard to get a workout in. Be a weekend warrior. Get that workout in. Like you don't have to do everything perfectly all Mm -hmm. the time. Making sure you're treating your weekends like your weekdays. Like those are some of the things that like my most successful clients have really nailed is They don't need to go off track during the weekend because they allow themselves nutritional decisions that they can feel comfortable with during the week 
They're not needing to have extra pizza. They're not needing to have these hyper palatable, not like processed foods that taste good. They're, they're just very good about planning ahead as well, making sure that they're planning and preparing for the upcoming week. And just to like hop back for a second, because I know we're kind of all over the place, but like, hey, sometimes our brains just need to go the direction that they go. But three weeks is not long enough to be upset that the scale is not moving. Not to mention if you haven't been taking all the data that we mentioned earlier. Fat loss is not always directly reflected on the scale. Sometimes it takes a month and a half. There's no set time frame for that. But if you're consistent in taking the data, if you're consistent in your nutrition, if you're consistent with your steps and your neat, things will be changing. Oh, absolutely. Another thing that I see semi-frequently is people kind of qualifying how good past experiences are because of what the scale is doing when they get back from them, like a like a holiday or a vacation or a trip or whatever. Either they're like, I, I went on this trip, I had a great time, but the scale's up however many pounds, sad face, angry face, whatever. What did I do wrong? Or I went on this thing, it was amazing, I had such a fun time, and even better, the scale was down when I got back. This is another example of you giving way too much power to an inanimate object and a piece of data. Yes, it's nice to know that you can potentially go on a trip and maintain your progress or even lose some body fat, but that should not be the defining factor of whether or not you had a good time. Not to mention if you go on a trip and maybe don't work out, I don't. When I go on vacation, I, I very rarely work out on vacation. My muscles lose some water. When I get back, they look a little flatter. When I get back, the scale's probably down a pound or two just because my body has flushed out some of the water and glycogen from my muscles because they haven't been used as much. That makes no difference in how good my vacation was or how good my trip was or how much fun I had with my friends and family. And if the scale was up, does it change the fact that I had a great time? No. Again, this is another example of you giving too much power to the scale, and I really want you guys to investigate this in yourself, examine it, address it, change it. Yes. One last thing I would like to talk about is the whoosh, because we mentioned it earlier and we both kind of rolled our eyes, but there's a reason for that. So I'd like to explain it first. What the whoosh is, is when the scale's kind of been even over the past couple days, and then all of a sudden, for seemingly no reason, it dips down. It whooshes down. That's the whoosh. And what that means is that for some reason, any number of reasons, your body has been holding onto water over the past couple days, and then it flushed it out. That's it. And a lot of people are really attached to the whoosh, and they like hold on, white knuckling it, waiting for the whoosh. And I see this drives me crazy. People promise the whoosh all the time to others online. Someone's kind of maybe venting their frustration that the scale isn't moving. Oh, don't worry, you'll get the whoosh soon. Not necessarily. Not everybody gets the whoosh. The emotional attachment to that really makes me sad because all that is is just another kind of fluctuation. But somehow it's okay. <laughs> like, that doesn't make sense to me. That I really want to caution people against because... It's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. You're putting way too much emotion into a fluctuation that ultimately doesn't really mean anything. Absolutely. And I think that's where a lot of people are sitting there and they're just waiting for that whoosh to happen. And it's like, if you do that, you're going to just drive yourself crazy. Because mm -hmm. if you're not in a deficit, it's probably not going to fucking happen. 
Yeah, not to mention that when you do get the whoosh, it's almost almost assuredly going to spike up at least a little bit. Yes. Because it's a water fluctuation. And then what happens when it spikes up, the sky is falling. <laughs> it's just another fluctuation. And just to repeat myself a little bit, stop promising or comforting with a promise of the whoosh because you cannot say with certainty that it will happen. A lot of people have never experienced a whoosh. And you are feeding into that white knuckling, holding your breath, waiting to be okay with whatever is happening until you get the whoosh. That's not okay. You're feeding into the anticipation of something that may or may not happen. And you're feeding into the emotional attachment to the fluctuation of the scale. And people don't like to hear this because the whoosh is exciting. And I can understand why the whoosh is exciting. I can understand why the scale going down is exciting. I mean, I have had, we both have had our own fat loss journeys. And it is a manifestation of things are working. I'm doing it right. I'm losing body fat slash weight. Again, not always the same thing. I understand it. And at the same time, the point is you really have to examine your emotional attachment to this stuff because a lot of you guys are putting way too much emotion into it that it ever needs to have. And you're making it harder on yourself because you are riding this roller coaster of scale up bad, scale down good. That tired old thing we've all been taught our whole lives. Stop it. That power is with you. <laughs> Both the people posting, oh, don't worry, you're going to get the whoosh, and the people holding on to the whoosh as like this amazing, elusive, magical thing that's just going to make everything okay. It's just a fluctuation, just like the daily fluctuations, just a little bigger, but it's just a fluctuation. That's it. It's just water. And you got to desensitize yourself to that. It doesn't hold a lot of weight, to be perfectly honest. Like if you are sitting there and you're constantly waiting for that quote unquote whoosh, or let's say you get the whoosh and then you you start to get anxiety because you don't know when it's going to happen again. That's a, a sure sign that you need to work on your relationship with the scale. It's not a person. It's not attacking you. It's not. It's literally just a tool. Mm -hmm. So really examine this in yourself, guys. And I know we're coming in hot on this episode. But this is important because too many people, as I said in the very beginning, too many people are giving too much energy, too much power to this inanimate object that is giving them the exact data that they want to know in the moment. And it's not okay. This is something that takes practice. It takes rewiring, learning and unlearning to kind of get over this, which is again, why we're such a big proponent of immersion therapy way daily, log it. Practice moving on, practice putting that number in the app or whatever, and then stop fixating on it because you can teach yourself over time that it doesn't deserve the attention or the energy that you're putting into it. This is so important. And we want you guys to really be aware of this and aware of your language around it and aware of your emotional attachment to it because there's a better way to live. It's, it's just a piece of data that we can take over time watch the trends, assess, and then potentially change if we even need to. I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. And we'll talk to you next time. Same time, same place. We love you. Bye. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. If you enjoyed the show, let us know by writing a review, subscribing wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find me, Iris, on Instagram at Iris Deadlifts. 
And you can find me, Brooke, on Instagram at getyouabrooke. We'll talk to you soon. Dude, that was so good. That really was.